The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We have with us our resident legal expert, that being Sonia McEntee, who is Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the Law Society's PR uh, Committee. And it is one of the great joys to see the questions that come in that are usually deeply intricate. Like, for instance, and I don't quite understand this one. I have a long-standing, leaking, shared chimney. I don't speak to the owner and don't know their address. Legally, what do I do? I assume this means somebody is a tenant in a house the owner of whom is the landlord. Because it can't be the next door neighbour shared, Jimmy, can well, it? Well, it could be. The ne- it could but be. I suppose it, we, they we know don't, where they we, live because they're really next door. Know. Well, if, yes, OK. Right, right, or maybe the property's empty, which is a problem nowadays too. Um, and and an owner can't be located. Um, identifying the owner is, of course, the thing that, that he has to or she has to try to do. How do you um, do that? Can a solicitor do that? Uh, a solicitor can do that. There might be some, you know, local knowledge really is probably the place to start. Um, not all properties are registered in the land registry. So the land registry is a digital record of property ownership, but not every property in the country is registered there. So it's not as simple as going online and being able to find out who owns a particular property. You may or may not be able to do that. But local knowledge, ask around. Somebody is bound to know. There'll be somebody in the area who knows who owns the property. Now, whether they'll be able to help you track that person down or not um, is is another question. Um I hadn't considered this previously, but where I would go next actually would be some um, assistance, perhaps under 2009 legislation around issues with neighbours and boundaries and questions like that. And I said I haven't had a look at that recently, but um, there may be some assistance there in terms of accessing a property where you can't find the owner and and what you can do in those circumstances. The worst kind of dispute, the thought of ending up in any kind of legal situation with the person who lives in the house next to you. I mean, what a nightmare. Well, unfortunately, with people up and down the country living with leaks on a daily basis. So it's a reality. Interesting one, given the change in guardianship. Text saying, my 30 year old daughter has an intellectual disability. While she's very well able to let us know her opinion on things, I'm not confident in her capacity to manage money independently. She works and currently contributes financially to her expenses for things like family holidays because that's her choice. But given the new assistance decision-making law, should I be more stringent about documenting written proof of her consent? And what would you suggest? Um, It's a difficult question in the context of a family relationship that's there and something that has clearly worked well enough, if you like, up until now. Um, The change in the law that has come about and which has taken effect this week now allows for a record to be maintained of formal assisted decision-making um, arrangements that can be put in place. And something like that might be appropriate. Um, the guiding the guiding principles that are written into the legislation, the first one is that there's a presumption of mental capacity. So this daughter in this in this family should be presumed to have the capacity to make whatever decisions. And then you work, work onwards from there. It may very well be that she does need assistance to make certain kinds of decisions. And in those circumstances, it's worth having some discussion with her so this is about her and who she might like to help have her help make make certain decisions and what arrangements now, should I, be put in place. I don't mean this in any way to be disparaging, but will yeah. will there be a sense that says if somebody is ultimately unable in the parents view to make the decisions about the spending of their money, are they in a position to make a decision about 
who should be in charge of spending their money? No, that, that's a very fair question. And I suppose any assessment of capacity should really be taken on a broader basis than just maybe the one person that you might have been in that um, relationship, let's say, uh, with so far. So other family members might have a view on what someone's capacity might be. A medical professional might have, might be able to contribute into that circumstance or other people that they interact with. I think we're told that she does work and she gets on with her own. She, ha- she has daily, she gets on with her day to day life. Um, so she's clearly capable of doing I would say quite a lot for herself. Um, but yes, maybe there's a line there. And the new system that has been set up has literally just taken effect. There's a lot of information online. A lot of it has yet to be updated. So I just treat some of that with a little bit of caution at the moment. Um, there will be an online system for registering this kind of assisted decision making arrangement. There will then be a register so that if the daughter wants to take any legal decision and whoever she might be dealing with in that scenario or indeed maybe a serious healthcare decision whoever she might be dealing with in that healthcare scenario they'd be able to check to see I'm not sure about capacity here I'll check the register to see does this person have someone already nominated to assist them in making these kinds of decisions Oh so so you won't have to hear it from the individual themselves you'll be able to double check There'll be a register there so I I think there's some cause for cautious optimism around some of this In the same way as whenever you talk law you get the queries about what do I do about my neighbour who is problematic the other thing you always get is issues to do with inheritances and wills and one asking can you tell me if a trust is a good idea in relation to leaving the family home and two other properties to three children. I always have a sense that legal trust in this kind of instance are some magic that solicitors can do to get us around inheritance tax. I think um, trusts also have, uh, there's a perception of trusts that they, magic maybe is, is a word that, that, they, that they can do. Trusts are very, um, very functional, very use, useful in some circumstances, like, for example, minor children. So uh, children under, under 18 cannot legally hold property themselves. So a trust arrangement would well, be can a they not? You can't leave a house to a 14 year old or a 15 year old. Well, the 14 year old can't legally take ownership of that house. So, so uh, a trust would be required um, in that kind of circumstance. You might also consider a trust where um, there's an element of vulnerability maybe within a family member. So if someone has, um, well, maybe mental um, or physical disabilities where they can't look after themselves fully or um, addiction issues, things like that, where you may feel that you wouldn't like someone just to inherit a property that they might uh, sell and and use the money unwisely, I'll say. Um, But also, yes, uh, trusts can be used for um, management around the distribution of funds to family members. So I mentioned there the age of majority, which is 18. Very many parents nowadays would still feel 18 is too young to be for, for children to have access to maybe very substantial sums of money. So trusts can be used to, um, I suppose, control the outflow of funds, if you like, and can be used to, um, well, I suppose you can work out the taxation implications around that. Um, so... While there may be some mechanisms that can be used to um, minimise the taxes that are paid over the longer term, um, ultimately there are also some tools that the revenue uh, use and have yeah, an avail of in terms of encouraging you to distribute from the trust and uh, all of that needs to be taken into account. So they have their uses, there's no doubt about that and sometimes they would be required. Okay, I, I'm almost at a yes or no one because time is mm-hmm. against in this but I, given that we're talking revenue, a question asking, I inherited shares a few years ago from my dad who died in 2013. I was within the inheritance limits at that point. If I sell now, from what date do I apply the CGT? So the capital gain, is it now or is it on inheritance? Uh, no, well, you're, pay, you're paying capital gains tax now, but your base cost in assessing your capital gains tax was the value at the date you inherited. So the 2013 uh, is the deductible cost in, in calculating the capital gains tax. Fair play, Sonia. That is Sonia McEntee, who is Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the Law Society PR Committee. 
The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.